You're listening to 50 Bad Songs, a behind-the-scenes look at the process of transforming ideas and experiences into music and lyrics, also known as songwriting. Each episode, you will hear a new song and how it came into existence. My name is Tim Roscoe, and this is Season 3, Episode 23, Next to You. back dear listeners it is march and we are marching our way towards spring the weather here in la has been i mean truly all over the place i didn't know that it got cold and rainy here but it does it gets cold and rainy but also in february we had some days in the 80s and then some nights where the highs were in the 30s it's been very confusing so I was originally going to do another wintry sort of song for this episode, but I decided to change course because it was already so warm and I kind of didn't feel like doing three wintry songs in a row. So I chose the song that you're going to hear today, which is a totally different vibe. Um, It still has like a cozy feel for those of you who are in parts of the country that are still chilly, but it is a different inspiration and I wouldn't call it a wintry song. So That's the 411 for today's episode. If you are new to the show, welcome. As always, this is a fantastic episode to start with, and I do hope that you enjoy it. This podcast is also a documentation of a long growth process over time, and if you'd like to hear that growth from the beginning, take a look back at the start of season one. Uh, We've grown so much and come so far. Uh, I think you will enjoy the process. Or if you'd rather not, you can listen to all the songs we've written on this show by visiting 50badsongs.bandcamp.com or stream them on Spotify and Apple Music. If you're a longtime listener and have enjoyed listening to 50 Bad Songs, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash 50 Bad Songs. We've got lots of bonus content for you over there, and you might just get early access to the episodes, which is pretty cool if you're a super fan. Anyway, speaking of Patreon, a special thanks this month to our esteemed patrons in the tenor section tier on Patreon. Susan and Chris Roscoe, Francesca Scalisi, Rebecca Murphy, Vicki Scott, and Shirley Park. Your support means the world to me. Thank you for being here today, and once again, here's a brand new song, Next to You. Warming me up I am 
So once again, this song was inspired by a songwriting prompt that I got from Sarah Spencer at Song Fancy in one of her five and five challenges. This prompt was like episode one of this season, a collection of words and the collection of words for this prompt were early, crinkle, sip, elaborate, crease, paper, cant, gold, thoughtful, and tear or tear, whichever way you want to take that. And honestly, I'm looking at this and I'm like, why didn't I use gold? That's a great word. And I could have clearly used that in this song, but I didn't. So whatever, <laughs> clearly I didn't use every word in this list, but looking at this list, it gave me a clear idea initially that I wanted to run with when writing this song. The amplifier, which if you recall, I've explained it in the previous episodes, but the amplifier is like a thing to kind of challenge you even more beyond the prompt. The amplifier for this prompt was write a waltz, which I attempted to do, but it also kind of isn't a waltz. We might get into it later. It's could be three, four, or it could be six, eight. And I have opinions on the actual difference of that based on the tempo that you're playing on, but we might not get into that. I did a lot of research into trying to figure out <laughs> which one I thought it should be. Anyways, so let's look at this list. Because it is the first word in the list, the first word that jumped out to me was early. I personally have never been much of a morning person in like the truest sense of that word. I like to sleep. I'm usually working on projects late into the night as well. And so I have a hard time waking up to alarms. I am the worst. I know I have to set many because I will sleep through them, truly sleep through the alarms, or I will wake up, turn it off. And fall back asleep. And like when I say fall back asleep, I truly mean like pass out. I know I'm the worst, but I, I actually do really love mornings. I love the feeling of waking up with the sun. I also love the feeling of the air and I love the way the light looks. And 
I don't know, maybe because it is such a like rare thing for me to actually experience like very early mornings and this light in a you know regular or consistent manner, I, I think it has retained a feeling of like magic and awe for me. I don't know. I think it's so quiet and like gentle. And if I get to experience it, I try to really enjoy it. <laughs> that being said, I don't want to wake up before the sun is up like at all. Nor do I want to like have to be somewhere in the early morning. The last time I had a job at a coffee shop, I had to regularly wake up before the sun and was up and like had to rush to get ready to get to work. And that is hard and it does not feel good to me. But there was always this like special time at the coffee shop. Like after that initial morning rush of like doctors and nurses and construction workers and octogenarians at like six when (laughs) the rush died down and like it was a little bit slower before the next wave of people came at like eight and I had a moment to myself to just like breathe and have a sip of my own coffee and that light still it even then it spoke to me and like it brought me peace in that moment so even when I'm like exhausted and stressed it still is is something that I don't know is special to me Anyways, because I either don't experience it all that often or because I'm sleeping or I'm rushing to get out the door, the moments when I can just be in the moment in the morning and experience the beauty of the morning, I love. I love it. I romanticize mornings. I romanticize it in spite of my sleeping habits. So anyways, I chose to set out to write a song about this sort of romanticized morning experience. In looking at this list of words, many of the words seem to be centered around paper. So... I took this and and wanted to kind of figure out how I could pair that with my romanticized idea of a morning experience. Words like crinkle and crease, tear, and like literally paper. (laughs) You know, I think those all are very evocative of either a journal or a book or, you know, some other kind of paper-based medium, maybe a newspaper. I think one of the ideas I had was this very mundane morning experience of just like reading the paper at the table. I thought about my parents and my childhood and breakfast at the table and like my dad reading the newspaper and me digging through it, looking for the comics and the weather because I thought the weather page was interesting. I don't know. Or maybe like I was doing some last minute homework at the table, but there was always like, you know, paper was involved in the morning at the table. So in my head, like there was this very clear link between the magic of mornings and the feeling of paper. And so Using these two ideas, I tried to describe a fantasy of what I wanted my mornings to feel like someday, you know? In that early morning light, the kind that's real soft and not too bright, I sit still and quiet next to So this first verse is fairly straightforward. I start off by setting up the idea of morning and describing that thing that I like about morning light. At this point in my life, I don't know. I couldn't tell you how I came up with that piano part. I'm pretty sure I was focused on like, I was really trying to capture <laughs> the feeling of a waltz from the amplifier um, and and trying to play in three rather than four. And that led me to this sort of melodic idea. I do think I was also trying to like, 
steer clear from that thing that I usually do, which is I've mentioned in the previous two episodes, but that thing where I play block chords and an ostinato and that I keep repeating it until I figure out the song. And so I, I wanted to try something different to see what kind of results I could get. So I limited myself to just two voices, basically one in the right hand and one in the left hand. And I wanted them to be linear and not chords. And I wanted it to feel like the two voices were dancing because a waltz. And I think by limiting yourself to something like a two voice composition or whatever, you kind of force your hand a bit into making melodic choices. Otherwise, like you'd just be repeating the same note. And then what's the difference between that and a block chord, you know, Um, unless that was your intention, but for me it wasn't. And so I think by doing this, I came up with something a little more interesting than I otherwise would have. And I I found a way to, (laughs) I still found a way to make it repeat endlessly because I can't stop being me. And I love to repeat things and then change things over top and see what they sound like, whatever. At the time that I wrote this, which was, it was like December, 2019, I was in a relationship and I certainly was like pulling from that as an inspiration for this song. But this song is not particularly reflective of my experiences in that relationship. Like I wasn't writing the song about that relationship. As I mentioned, it was kind of more like I was trying to describe a fantasy of what I wanted for the future. And that included this sort of mundane kind of peace that long established relationships have the kind where you can just sit next to each other in quiet. So with that in mind, I ended each verse with the line next to you to drive the idea home that this was like a shared experience and not a singular experience. Also of note here, I chose to change that and not sing next to you after every verse, but we'll talk to that a little bit later. I take a sip from my cup, the steam rises, warming me up, I sit quiet and warm next to In the second verse, I was pulling from that memory of working in a coffee shop and being bathed in early morning light and sipping from a warm cup of coffee, which is just one of my favorite feelings in the morning, like when it is a peaceful sip from coffee and not like a stressed out. But also this gave me the opportunity to use the word sip from our list of words, which I mean, what else would it be, right? Coffee, maybe something else. But for me, it's coffee. Also, if you know me at all, I generally like to enjoy a cup of coffee in the morning. And I I find the ritual of slowing down and making coffee every morning, something that grounds me and centers me coffee grounds. You get it. If you follow my Instagram though, you will also notice that I have uh, several photos of coffee cups and like the steam coming off the coffee in the morning because I am basic and insufferable, but also because it's an important part of my days and mornings. Like truly it is if I like that is what I need the most before I can do anything else is like just a moment with myself, you know? So in the first verse we had set up this format of like describe the scene, then say how I feel and then say next to you. And so as I was writing the second verse, I had the idea to use the say how I feel moment to refer back to the previous verse and what it said. For instance, in verse one, it was still and quiet. And then in verse two, it was quiet and warm, referring back to the warm coffee in the second verse and the quiet of the first verse. I thought it would be cute 
And I, I still think it's cute, but as you'll find out, I did sort of paint myself into a corner and had to find a creative way out. The joys of having an idea, having a bit and going with it. I glance over and take a look as you crease the paper in your book. I sit warm and safe next to Verse three is where we start to embrace more of the words from our prompt. (laughs) Honestly, I probably was like, oops, I should probably use more of these words. As I mentioned, they are all paper related, so it makes sense that they'd all be lumped together. But again, I'm building on this idea of a couple doing somewhat mundane things next to each other and trying to capture the magic and dreaminess of that experience. So I imagine someone sitting next to their partner while they're reading a book and just like mindlessly fiddling with the paper or creasing it. Crease is a very unexpected word in this list of words and one that I certainly would not reach for when songwriting. But I think that's what's fun about a prompt like a list of words, because truly you don't realize how much you kind of use the same sets of words until you come across one that you don't use all that often in your daily vernacular. I think this is particularly on my mind because I've been playing a lot of Wordle recently and that game kind of stretches your brain a little bit because yeah, sure. You use a lot of five letter words, but as soon as you can't use certain letters, then you're like, okay, well what other words? And you have to like kind of dig through your brain past the commonly used words and find like, you know, a word that you wouldn't normally use and and to fit the letters. Anyways, I digress. (laughs) Crease stood out to me because it felt so unexpected and like it felt really visceral to me. Like saying crease automatically implies some kind of material that is being creased. Even if you don't explicitly say what that material is, it just is part of what creases means. So even if paper had not been in the list of words, I probably would have gone for paper anyways, because that's what I crease the most. And I thought it painted a cute image of someone like reading and fiddling with the paper in a book and not really paying attention to the world outside of them. And I think that's cute. But then we get to this line that I've set up as the quote, say how I feel moment. And I knew that I was going to reference the previous verse. So we had warm from verse two, but I did not know what the second feeling would be. I tried to imagine like what it would feel like to be sitting next to someone you love and be so comfortable that you aren't saying anything and can just get lost in a book so deep that you aren't paying attention to what your hands are doing. And you were just like existing. In my notebook where I wrote this, it's clear that I tried like several words to fit this spot and I erased them all and I can't really see what words I tried before. I think I can kind of see the faint outline of the word cozy, but ultimately the feeling that I I landed on and the feeling that I was trying to describe was feeling safe. So that's what we went with. You share a thoughtful debate and I ask you to elaborate I sit safe and connected next to you So the fourth verse is a natural extension of the third verse in my mind. 
I imagine that you look over at your partner while they're reading this book and they look up at you and decide to share something from the book and you have like a little conversation about it. I really wanted to use the word elaborate because again, it's like such an unexpected word and it's got a lot of syllables and it's something that I wouldn't typically use in a song, but also it has a fun number of syllables. So I I like wanted to rhyme with it. And we also have thoughtful in our list of words. So I thought that would be an interesting setup to use the word elaborate. Like they say something interesting and thoughtful and you say elaborate, which is what led me to debate. I didn't want to imply that like you and your significant other were arguing, but rather that like they shared something interesting and you two discuss it together. And like, maybe there was some disagreement, but it's not like personal. It's just like discussing an idea. And I guess that's something that fits with like my fantasy of a future partner is someone to have interesting conversations with. And when I do have that with someone, like I feel connected with them. So that led me to the quote feeling line And we use safe from verse three and then paired it with connected. But to be like totally honest, I really, (laughs) I don't really like the word connected in this context. Something about the mouthfeel just, I don't know. It's too choppy, clunky. I don't know. And like, yes, you can find words that rhyme with connected, but this song was so lyrical and flowing and connected just feels too rhythmic and choppy. But like I stuck with it because It's very easy to get hung up on one word and then lose your momentum. And like, you can always change a word later. And so I just was like, okay, write it down and like, let's keep moving forward. At this point in the song, we had repeated the same chordal and melodic ideas four times. And I thought that it might be time to change things up musically. Honestly, it was probably past time. And I wasn't like completely sure that I liked how much verse there was, but As in other times of need, we use a deceptive cadence to come to the rescue and change the vibe and get us out of the the way that we were before. You look at me and I smile And we stay there for a little while Connected and one Say Quiet and still next to you. So here we are. We're in new chord land, which means we need to change the idea up too. So I thought that this section would be the time to really get to like the crux of the song. We've been crafting all these little scenes and moments that create a dreamy fantasy of a calm and lovely morning. And I think that I was riding on this idea of connected. And so I wanted to make the two characters like make eye contact and like visually connect, which like when you're in love, when you do that, usually it makes you smile. And so I wanted to like live in that moment. So I say, I say that we stay there for a little while because I want you as a listener to be in that moment. And I want them as characters to be in that moment. Anyways. And in in that moment, You're struck with all the feelings that you've had up to this point. You're struck with the feeling of love that you feel for this partner. And so I had the brilliant idea to reiterate all the feelings that we had described and set up in the previous scenes. So it was still quiet, warm, safe, connected. 
And, and I want like all of that you're feeling again in this moment of like making eye contact and smiling and like being with your love, you're still feeling all those things. I really, really was hung up on making this idea work. And like, I remember struggling with this for a long time, trying to get it to feel good. I eventually figured out that, that it would be an interesting idea to kind of work backwards through the verses so going from connected, then back to safe, then back to warm, then back to quiet. And then when I did that, I could then land on still and kind of change the meaning from being still as in like not moving to being still as in like, I am still sitting next to you, which led back to next to you. And I thought that brought a nice new meaning to the word still and shown a new light on the phrase next to you. And I thought that was really interesting and brilliant. Um, but I just could not get the words to fit in a way that felt good to me. I kept being off by one because I was doing kind of pairs and I only have what five. And so I couldn't figure that out. So I toyed, with like adding a new word to the list. But then I was like, that doesn't make sense if everything else was self-referencing and I've already set them up in the verses. Like why would I then now bring in a, a different word? So then I thought, well, maybe I should just add another verse so that I could have a reason to have one more word in this end section. But then that would be like five verses of the same thing. That would be too much. That would be boring. Like, especially because I already thought that four was too many. I don't know. I blame connected. <laughs> connected just is a weird word. But eventually I figured it out and I realized that I could say like by saying connected as one, I could then go through the remaining feeling words and then land on still with the right harmonic emphasis before coming back to next to you and returning to the motif that we set up at the beginning that we're familiar with. At this point, it felt like the song was done, honestly, but again, I hadn't really made a chorus, <laughs> which I guess this is just the season of not writing choruses. I don't know. I did try. I tried recontextualizing this bridge thing and like making it into a chorus and I tried inserting it after the first two verses and then repeating it after the third and the fourth verse. But like that didn't really make sense and like I didn't like the way it felt. So the, the problem or not problem, I guess, depending on how you look at it, was that I felt like I had captured the feeling that I wanted to capture and I had expressed the idea that I wanted to express and I had like created this musical moment. And so like, why do I need to do anything else? You know, like, why do I have to have a chorus? I don't. Why do I have to break up the verses? I don't. I can do whatever I want <laughs> because it's my creation and I said so. So I didn't push it. Instead, I just repeated the first line in that early morning light to kind of drift off and like have it sit in this moment of early morning. And then I let it be what it was. Thank you. 
as I mentioned before, I had originally come up with this interesting, like two voice piano part. And in my mind, it was a critical component to the song. So I didn't want to change that very much when it came to producing the final track. I did listen to a bunch of different other tracks and artists that in my mind had a similar sort of down to earth beauty in the mundane quality. Um, And many of them had this sort of ethereal vocal quality and usually a guitar. And as I was looking at this more and thinking about how I wanted to record it, I had the realization that because of the way I had written it with these two voices, it kind of worked on the guitar. I was like, I think this could be played on the guitar, especially the bass line. The bass line felt like, like something you would play as a guitarist. If you've listened to this show, then you know that I am not a guitarist, but I do have like a working knowledge of how the guitar is laid out and theoretically how it can be played. So I had a feeling that this two voice melody based thing I had written might just be a good fit for the guitar, but I wanted to confirm it. So I reached out to my friend Richard Chowenhill, who is a composer and a guitarist and a friend of mine. And he, and I asked him what he thought. I said, like, was this something that in your eyes as a guitarist was playable and like comfy in the hands and like, wouldn't be weird to play. turns out, yeah, my intuition was correct. So he confirmed and said, yeah, you could play this on the guitar and no problem. So I spent some time figuring out how to play this on the guitar for myself. And I, I, turns out it wasn't that hard, (laughs) honestly. But that being said, even after I had learned it, I wasn't very good at it because I'm not a guitarist. And so I thought, well, I could either spend all of my time this month practicing this guitar part and trying to get it to a decent place just so that I could record it for myself on my not so nice guitar that I've had for, you know, like not 20 years. Oh my God. Almost 20 years. Um, that has never had a string change in its life or I could ask Richard to record it for me on his nice guitars and with his professionally trained good tone. Needless to say, that's what I opted for. (laughs) So I sat down and I like made some voicing changes to the guitar part and like notated it on paper so I could send it to Richard and have him record it for me in his home studio. For those of you listening at home, when you are translating an idea, a musical idea written for one instrument to another. Most of the time you can't really just copy and paste and hope for the best. Ideally you take a look at the idea and make some slight changes to better fit the context of the instrument that you're writing it for. For example, one thing that Richard pointed out to me for the guitar on this song was to think about what notes I wanted played on open strings. Um, Unlike a piano, the guitar You know, you have open strings that play notes and also you use your fingers to press down the strings to change the note. And then that string is no longer an open string. And so when you play an open string, the note rings out a lot longer than one that you are fretting with your fingers. And also similarly chords that like you can play on the piano with your five fingers They're only limited by your two hands and the reach of your fingers. And you can play lots more notes than you can on a guitar. Like these chords do not always translate to a guitar where you have six strings and you have one hand with four fingers selecting notes. And then the other hand is strumming and doing rhythmic stuff. And so like what that turns into is, is you have to change some of the voicings of your musical idea. And so like some notes might need to be left out 
or that you might need to swap an octave so that it can be played. It's just not played in the place that you played it on the piano. Does that make sense? I don't know what I'm saying. Um, basically, you're, you're making these little changes without really changing the musical content, but you're changing it so that it can accommodate being played on the desired instrument, but without changing the like fundamental musical content of the chord or the melody. I don't know. It's kind of it, to me, and this is why I do this, I guess for my life, I think it's fun. It's a fun sort of puzzle to figure out. And honestly, the process of figuring out how to play something you wrote on a different instrument than you originally wrote it for was very eye opening to me. And it made me feel like much more confident in my guitar abilities, which I don't know. Maybe I should have just been doing this the whole time. Maybe I would have been able to play the guitar by now. But like figuring it out, I was like, oh, the guitar isn't so far out of reach for me. I just have to think about it differently than I think about the piano. So while the guitar part was off being recorded by Richard, I had some time to figure out what else I wanted for this track. And as I was listening to this song, it reminded me of one of my favorite songs from my favorite band in high school, Death Cab for Cutie. And that song was Passenger Seat. But Passenger Seat is a beautifully simple song with just piano and voice and like some production. And it centers around like a conversation between two people in a car. But the production on that song is what I remembered and was being drawn to in this moment. As mentioned, the song was pretty much just piano and voice, but it also had this very nebulous reverb wash of tones that that like painted the background and felt very dreamy. I have no idea how they did that exactly, and I don't really know how to describe this at all, but what it sounded like to me was that they used a big reverb with a long tail on the piano, and then they faded in that reverb tail of the chord before the chord was actually played, so you could hear the chord kind of building up before the chord played on the piano, and then when the chord played, like everything would line up. I don't know. It's something that I've always thought was really cool about that song and about that track. And so I wanted to try something similar on this one. So I recorded a simplified version of the song playing just block chords instead of the melody on the piano for each chord change. And then I put on this big, long, spacey reverb tail on it and recorded that, bounced it out so that I had an audio file of the, just the piano with that reverb tail. And then I took that file into another audio software and cut each chord up individually and reverb tail. So it was the chord and the reverb tail and cut them into separate chunks. And then I made a duplicate of each one of those and then reversed the sound. So it kind of would play backwards and then the piano and then forwards. This way I could fade in the reversed version of the chord up to the point of the chord playing and then play out the forward version of the chord with the reverb tail. And like with this, I recreated the song using a wash of piano sounds that faded in and out over top of each other. And I thought that was really cool. And I, so I, I, you know, I tweaked that a bunch until it felt right. 
ultimately it didn't sound exactly like the death cab track for many reasons, but I liked the way that it sounded. And so I, I, I tweaked it until it sounded good and, and then went with it because my song has, I, I don't want to say it has more chord changes than the death cab song, but the death cab song sits on one chord for most of the verse and mine changes some. And so it was a little, some of the transitions were a little clashy on my song, but like with some creative crossfades and tweaking, I've, I felt confident for how it turned out and how it sounded. So then after that, Richard sent me this beautifully played guitar part. It sounded great. Sound, the tone was right and confident, which mine would not have sounded. And so I mixed the guitar with this sort of piano wash. And honestly, I think it had a magical effect. I did have to like tweak it even more to kind of make it line up with the guitar part. But otherwise, I, I liked that sound for this track. I did make a few minor tweaks to the song after this point as well. So for one, I, as I mentioned earlier, I was toying with not saying next to you after every verse to me after like four times of saying next to you, it like really felt like too much. And in my mind, at least it made the last next to you feel less effective because your ear was kind of numb to it by that point. Paired with this, I also decided that I didn't like the word sit as much as when I originally wrote it, because if it wasn't followed by next to you, then it was kind of weird to just say, like, I sit still and quiet. So I decided that instead I could change it to I am still and quiet, and then I could leave it hanging and not have to say next to you immediately following it. And then it would still make sense in the context of the song. I am still, I am quiet. I am quiet. I am warm. So along with these changes, I made a couple minor tweaks to the melody as well. Most notably was in the sort of B section. I felt as though this section was now the focal point of the song. And the original melody that I wrote was nice, but it didn't feel like quite like an emotional peak. So I toyed with it and I, I made some changes to bump up the emotionality of that moment. I don't know. I liked the way it turned out. I recorded the lead vocals and I liked how it turned out, but I, I still felt like it needed a little bit more, a little something else to make it really hit. When I originally wrote this song, I wasn't referencing this Death Cat for Cutie song, but because I was now, it kind of occurred to me that the two were very similarly structured with a sort of storytelling verse and then a poignant B section. And because they were so similar in structure, then I was like, oh, well, I can, I'm going to listen to that as a reference and like try to pick out how they emphasized the turning point in the song. And the thing that jumped out to me the most, which is a subtle thing is that the verse section is recorded with just a solo voice. And then in the B section or the turning point, the voice is suddenly doubled with just multiple recordings of the solo. And when you do that, it adds a richness to the tone and it makes it feel more substantial in the mix because like one voice sounds a little, you know, thin compared to, multiples of the same voice. I don't know how to describe that, but I decided, okay, well, I'm going to give that a try on this song. So I recorded myself doubling the melody in the B section. I actually recorded it twice. So I guess you could say it was tripling it, but it's still called doubling the melody. 
I am safe and connected next to you. You look at me and I smile and we stay there for a little while. But then I got to this like emotional peak that I had recently changed to be like a little more expressive and soloistic. And then it didn't, I don't know, it didn't make sense for me to do the vocal doubles to, to double that part too. Like that felt like it was supposed to be a solo moment. And so I tried not singing under that part, but that made it feel like weird and empty too, instead of rich and supported. So then I was like, okay, what if I actually just record the original melody that I wrote underneath of this soloistic part. And so like, I still have this emotional peak, but also I have the support of the voices underneath singing the original melody. And it actually turned out pretty cool. Originally I like, I wasn't thinking that I was going to do a bunch of background vocals for this part, but then suddenly I had a harmony in this section and I, I wanted more surprise. I like vocal harmonies. So I recorded a couple more BGVs, which if you listen to the last episode, BGVs background vocals, but I still wasn't sure if, if I liked all of this and I thought like it might be too much because it was, you know, a very simple voice, guitar, piano, wash reverb. And then suddenly to have like a bunch of voices out of nowhere might be weird or might be too much. But when I took a step back and I listened to it like in context and, and listened to the whole thing, that section felt like so nice to me. I don't know what it was. It just like opens up in a really nice and satisfying way. You look at me and I smile and we stay there for a little while connected as one. I don't actually think that I did this part last but the last part that i will mention is the bass again i had originally wanted to keep it simple with the guitar and the piano but i did think that this b section needed to be like just a little more enhancement so i found this deep subby bass sound that i've actually used in a lot of other 50 bad songs songs and why i like it is that it's like it's deep but it doesn't have a strong attack or like a sharp string sounding attack it's it's digital and just is low frequencies and i liked that because i didn't really want you to hear the bass as like a separate instrument per se but what i wanted was more of the feeling of the bass and the richness that it provided and i think that also contributed to this sort of b section feeling suddenly i don't know more expansive and open than the the previous part The actual very last thing that I did was play with the frequencies in the equalizer. So like at the very beginning and at the end of the song, I do this thing where I sort of sweep the EQ, which is the equalizer, and, and it makes for a cool effect. I've done this in some other tracks I've worked on, and like I really like this effect. So instead of fading in with volume, which is just, you know, loudness, what it does is, is you can kind of create a similar effect by fading in or sweeping in the frequencies, a high cut or a low cut filter in the equalizer, which put another way just means that like I cut out all of the frequencies of the sound and then I bring them back in either from low to high or high to low. 
And the result is that the sound sort of blossoms into existence from nothing or the opposite way it dissipates into nothingness like smoke. And so instead of it being a volume where it just sounds like it's fading out, the sound quality is changing and fading out because the free, there are less frequencies. And so it, it, it creates a very cool effect. I don't know. So I did this on the piano wash sound because the, that was the most rich sound. And as far as like the tonal spectrum goes to me, the end result is almost like a, like a sparkle effect or a shimmer. Maybe you feel the same way. Listen to it. It's at the very beginning before the guitar comes in. And then at the very end, I thought that that would fit perfectly with this imagery of this song of, of early morning light, which to me is like gentle and sparkly and whatever. And then also like the steam of a coffee cup and shimmering and steam and, and wispiness. I don't know. I thought it was good. <laughs> and I hope you do too. <laughs> I think the main point of growth with this song that I felt was the realization that the piano part I had written was actually a guitar part. And I think why it stands out so much was the fact that like, I didn't intentionally set out to write a guitar part. I think that if I had tried to intentionally write a guitar part, I would have gotten hung up on it for a really long time and like gotten in my head and potentially just given up and just written a piano part. But what's interesting to me is that even though I wasn't deliberately trying to write a guitar part, my brain maybe subconsciously was hearing a guitar part and wrote it like a guitar part. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's possible. I don't know if that's true, but that's what it, it seems like on the back end of this was like, it kind of always was a guitar part. Even when I wrote it on the piano and wasn't thinking about the guitar, it makes so much sense as a guitar part that it's like hard to imagine it not as a guitar park. Anyways, similarly, I think the process of connecting the dots inside my brain between playing it on the piano and then figuring out how to play it on the guitar was so potent. Like I could literally feel neural pathways being formed, like actual brain growth. And that was a really cool thing from, from working on this song. I, I've, I've, I haven't experienced it in a while. And so it was nice to have that moment of like discovery and realization and true like learning was neat. Another lesson that I learned is outsourcing is beneficial. You don't have to do everything yourself. I've been thinking this for a long time. I've struggled with this for a long time where I feel like I have to do everything myself because I can't afford to pay people. And so like, I don't want to ask anybody because I want to pay people for their time and for their skills and their talents. But also sometimes you have to ask people for help and you have to outsource a little bit and it frees you up to do other things and, and for your brain to think about other things instead of, of having to learn an instrument that you don't play, <laughs> you know? Which isn't bad. It's a good skill. But also, if you don't have the time, there's no, nothing wrong with asking someone else. Another lesson from this song is that sometimes to get the sound you want, you can leave the like digital audio workstation, the music workstation, and just play with sounds. This is something that I've known for a long time. But also, for me, I can get really hung up on trying to write things that can only be played or performed by a live person with an actual instrument. I blame my classical training for this 100%. But one of the beautiful things of 
of a recording and of a digital recording specifically is that you can kind of create whatever sound you want. You don't have to be able to like actually play all of those sounds because you have the power of like recording it and going back in time and recording over it, you know, which is cool. And so like ultimately you can do whatever you need to do to create the sound that you want. Because like the main thing that matters is what the final recording sounds like and not how you made the final recording happen. It's an interesting debate probably because you could you could easily argue, you know, well then what how do you play it live and if music can't be played live then, you know, is it whatever? I don't know. I don't I don't buy into that because I think there's so many ways now that you can play it live and you can figure out other ways to play it, but like if the point of expression when you wrote the song you wanted a specific sound, then like that is the expression that is the art and performing it is a different art than the recording of it. They are mutually supportive and beneficial to each other, but they are also separate arts. Anyways, this is a lesson that I also have learned from sound designing for games where it's, it's a cool process of like, Oh, you can make a sound out of other sounds But it's also not something that makes its way over to the music side of my brain very often. It's something that I've always think is cool and I want to. And this was maybe the first time in like a songwriting sense where I I did remove myself from the barriers and boundaries of something that I could physically play and just get expressive with the sound. So this song was like a good reminder that these skills of just creating sounds and creating music overlap and they benefit from each other in a very real way. I think the final takeaway from this song for me is the power of subtle differences. Yes, we know contrasts are the the crux of musical expression, but sometimes the contrasts can be very subtle. The difference between a single vocal line and a doubled vocal line, while subtle, can be hugely effective. I don't know if I can fully express with words the difference I felt once I added the vocal doubles and harmonies to the B section. It just, it like, hit different. (laughs) I, I realized, too, that there are a lot of differences all working together between those sections, which ultimately makes it a, like, more than a subtle difference. But I guess what I'm saying is like contrast doesn't have to be like a huge contrast, like night versus day. Sometimes it's just the difference between like 7 a.m. and 8 a.m. And I think that's beautiful. And I think when you pay attention to more subtle differences, they can be more affecting because it's like, ooh, mm, like, I don't know. It, it helps you appreciate them. Anyways. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Um, We're going to play the song one more time. So once again, here is Next to You in its entirety. Rise. 
Bad Songs is created, recorded, and edited by me, Tim Roscoe. Follow us on social media at 50 Bad Songs on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can listen to this song and all previous songs on Bandcamp at 50badsongs.bandcamp.com or by streaming them on Spotify and Apple Music. You can find all previous episodes on our website at www.50badsongs.com. If you'd like to financially support 50 Bad Songs, join our patron community at patreon.com slash 50 Bad Songs for even more behind-the-scenes content, including exclusive playlists, lyric sheets and chord charts, and other bonus content. Most importantly, if you enjoyed the episode or the music you heard today, the best way you can support us is by telling a friend, a family member, or a coworker about the show. Send them an episode or share your favorite song of ours with them. This is the best way to help the show grow. My name is Tim Roscoe, and thank you so much for listening.